0: Digital marketing in 2021 is so complicated. We created our Launching Simplified podcast to help entrepreneurs take their ideas and make them real businesses. We hope to inspire you that a simplified launch is possible. Behind every launch, there are often people who are helping make it happen. Employees, friends, coaches, relatives, and experts on the sidelines who make a launch the best it can be. We launched Podcast Baby in December 2020. And Nick Epstein was the person I called to help me understand how to make the audio better for my podcast and our course. Nick is a musician and the person that I know who knows the most about audio. He is also my brother. Welcome, Nick.
1: Hey, how's it going? Good.
0: Thanks for being here. Absolutely. So can you tell me a little bit about your background and how you got started in music and what led to the projects you were working on now?
1: I spent basically from the age of about 20 years old, a couple of decades as a um, a working musician doing live music, you know, getting paid to play gigs, basically. And um, I'm a singer. I play guitar and piano. And my, you know, recor- audio recording is kind of a different world from live music. And being, first of all, being a performer is different than being a live sound engineer, which is also a different thing than being a uh, recording engineer or or knowing about audio recording, stuff that you do in studios or do at home. Um, and so, you know, as a live musician, you want to be able to make music when you're not necessarily at a gig or rehearsing or playing with your band or whatever. So, uh, in the early 2000s is when digital recording sort of became, um, I'd say, affordable and available to you know kind of regular people people who weren't in six seven figure studios Um, so digital recording came into into my sort of onto my radar around that time uh, I'd say around the year 2000 2002 and I basically worked with a guy in Switzerland who was from France and he was just a, a young like a teenager at that time and I was just a little older he had a little head start on me using software like Pro Tools um, and logic and things that are v- very well known and, and actually very widely used uh, around the world today. But he was sort of early into the game as far as just being somebody who was just teaching themselves how to do it and scratching the money together to, to buy the stuff you needed to use it. And, you know, one great thing is just to be in a room with somebody who's smart and is learning quickly, and, and you kind of go along for the ride. So I kind of watched what he was doing. And then I started doing the engineering work as well. But basically what we were doing is recording our own song ideas and our own, you know, playing. Um, So that was how I got into it.
0: So can you tell me about how much audio has changed in the last few years from even a few years ago, I think?
1: Um, Well, audio's changed really going back like I said, to that era where digital audio became something that for let's say under $2,000 or something, you could set yourself up with something that worked and worked pretty well. I mean, that was just a huge deal because it used to be that you had to pay somebody that amount of money just to go use their stuff. Um, (laughs) You didn't even own it. You know, you couldn't go and at midnight, you know, have an idea and just start recording yourself. Um, So, you know, digital itself is just a huge revolution and um, I, But I think in the last few years, what we've seen is because of, you know, where we are uh, with the internet and with how broadband is, is happening, that basically the hardware that used to be, let's say, a audio interface that would cost $5,000 or something and could be and would be considered like part of a professional studio is now that same technology is now in like $400 units. Right. And so the 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 entire just in terms of the gear, and in terms of the uh, availability of software that that's free or or pretty affordable, that can do the same stuff that used to be used to has to spend thousands and thousands of dollars on, basically has just like continued that trajectory that digital started, which is putting it in basically anyone's reach who just wants to get involved with it. Um, so what you have is you have a lot of people being able to to do it. um, And that just makes it this very democratized thing, which is related to what's happened with a lot of things on the internet as well.
0: So interesting. it's So true. So the biggest question we get is what mic should I buy from students, from people we know, and we try to guide them and give them some advice. But do you have any advice for people on decide what mic to get and sort of that idea?
1: Okay, so I have a couple of different thoughts on this. Uh, I'd say, first of all, the, the best mic for you is the mic, you know how to use and the (laughs) mic that you do use on a regular basis. So if your goal is to put out content or to record your music or to record podcasts or go interview people, uh, whatever it is that you're using your microphone for field recordings, uh, the one that you're comfortable with using that you're not so freaked out, you're going to drop it. So, you know, maybe that $3,000 Neumann Maybe not your first mic, you know, you want to be comfortable with it. It's a tool. You know, one thing that we see a lot in, in audio and in other things is that this, this idea that, well, if only I get like the perfect gear, then I'll do some good work. Right. <laughs> right. Um, so I'm waiting to get that cool, you know, audio interface or that awesome mic that, and I have one, but you know, I'm waiting to get the better one. And that stuff is, that's basically a trap. You know, um, if right. you have that mentality, you end up kind of never really doing work. Um, because like I said, the gear that you can get and teach yourself how to use, feel comfortable using and practice with. Um, so I would say that a dynamic microphone for podcasting, such as an SM57 or an SM58, which is something you'll see like on a stage, this is a classic microphone with the, you know, the silver sort of ball at the end of it. Um, just like a stage mic. You could even use those and those, like, people just have those laying around and they're, you know, 60 bucks used or whatever they are. Um, You can use those. Now, if you go to the next level and you get a condenser microphone, um, which is what you'll see, like, YouTubers speaking into or even something like an uh, SM7B, which is the black, cool-looking one, uh, Shure microphone that... uh, like Joe Rogan uses and you see in kind of in every podcast that's on like YouTube, those are great. I mean, that's like $300. I think I recommend a condenser mic. If you can, let's say afford one, I mean, you can still get a a good one at $120 or $150, Mm -hmm. but a dynamic mic, like a, like a simple stage mic is going to work. However, uh, with a condenser mic, you're going to be able to essentially get more signal into your computer or into your interface using the gain knob um, than you can with a dynamic mic. A dynamic mic is going to be a little quieter. And so you want to uh, just know that going in, that that's a little bit of a limitation. But, you know, what we can do is, as long as we get a good, clean signal into the the software, into the computer, you can go back and fix stuff. You can turn it up, you can compress the signal, you can EQ it so it sounds, you know, maybe less muffled or whatever it is, or not as shrill or whatever the product is. As long as you haven't, like, overloaded your mic, and created uh, distortion, you can fix stuff. So the, like I said, the best mic is either a dynamic or a condenser mic, but one that you have available to you and the one that you use as much as possible to get comfortable with.
0: Oh, great. Can you share with me the biggest mistakes amateurs make with audio that you see if you listen to a podcast and you you kind of think, oh, that person, that was a big mistake. Do, do you have any things that you see?
1: Specifically for podcasts, I would say that I listen to podcasts a lot you know while i'm doing the dishes and while i'm walking my dog and all this stuff and for years and years and years i have i have done because when i was living overseas and podcasts sort of first were invented <laughs> so in the early 2000s yeah. they were kind of like a way of keeping up with like culture in the united states you know i didn't have tv channels from the from the us or anything like that so i would listen to like this american life's podcast just sort of to have a connection to back home. So, I love podcasts and I love listening to all kinds of, you know, interesting ones and interview ones and whatever. And I'll notice that even very professional sounding podcasts will have an interview with like, let's say a political analyst or something where they've clearly just like gotten on Zoom or gotten on the some sort of tele, like cell phone line <laughs> and the po- host sounds great as they always do and like, the interviewee uh, sounds like they're just on the other end of a telephone line, which is I guess okay we're sort of used to hearing that right. in uh, radio on radio programs and stuff but now with the these like duplex streaming uh, so- software solutions that you know the stuff that we're using right now uh, Zencaster and then also there's some new things like uh, Sonobus which is brand new we started using um, you can really just like be talking computer to computer and have it sound like both parties sound great. And if there's five parties, they all sound great. You know, so the, um, it seems to me like there's no excuse for having somebody sound like they're on the other end of a telephone. So I would say that's kind of an error or a, a problem. I would say that I hear
0: something that people overlook, they're thinking about their own audio, but they're not thinking about their guests audio and making that.
1: Right, or I, and I think it comes from also not wanting to impose on their guest time to say, look, can you open up this software that I'm sending you, and right. you know, have them like do extra work. You know, uh, if you're producing five episodes of a podcast a week, and you're you're coordinating with eight different guests, and you know, you're you're a producer, you might say, look, we're just we, it's great, it's good enough that we can get this guy, right? You know, we're just gonna have him call in. So I get it, but um you know i think going forward we're going to start to hear less and less of that sound that sort of cell phone sound
0: yes so do you have any other tips to help people make their audio a success in terms of distance from the microphone or speaking into the micro you know do you have any tips
1: yeah i'd say i'd say a pop filter is is really a good idea so a pop filter is um usually is a piece of like perforated metal or um fabric that you know you see them in recording studios it's like and it's in like a usually a circular sort of frame and it has a gooseneck that attaches to the mic stand and that just puts a like a wind barrier between your mouth and the mic i'm using one now and basically what that does is it it reduces the sound of the plosives and the plosives are p's and b's generally where the our mouth making the sound actually creates a puff of air and what when you listen to the sound of my voice what you're listening to mostly is the resonance of my larynx you know in my throat in the voice backs apparatus it's actually not all the, the air we want to hear less air and sort of mouth noise and we want to hear more vocal noise from the throat um, so the, the the Ps and the Bs when they puff on the mic and you really they sound like little pops they can be very uh, distracting for the listener. And there are things you can do in post-production to soften that stuff. But generally, again, the, the best signal is a signal that, that got recorded well rather than something that you have to fix. Oh, yeah. So a pop filter is a huge deal. Uh, learn how to use uh, a compressor or a limiter. Um, those are software tools or hardware tools actually, you can get a box that is a compressor and basically that just levels out the sound so you'll have that running oh, okay. Um, so that basically it, it, it reduces the dynamic range so that the, the quietest sounds are closer in volume to the loudest sounds. Oh, okay. You won't be able to hear me going back and forth from the mic if I'm moving my head a lot or um, in music they're used a lot to kind of make a part kind of fit into the mix so it's not popping out at certain s- spots. Oh cool. And then also EQ is EQ is a um equalization is just like a magical landscape of very very powerful tools where by cutting and and or boosting certain frequencies you can really um change how how sounds uh, are perceived and change like uh something that's kind of sounds a little muffled or sounds a little harsh or whatever it is, if you understand what different frequencies do and you understand how to use an EQ, you can can do a lot with that.
0: So that would be in GarageBand or what program? Absolutely.
1: I mean, there's EQs and compressors in every uh, what's called DAW, uh, digital audio uh, workstation. So that's Logic, that's GarageBand, that's uh, Sonar, um, that's Pro Tools, uh, Reaper. There's like a million of them. Uh, Ableton's a big one. And they're generally for music production, but people will use them in conjunction with Final Cut Pro or whatever it is when they're making movies as well. And all those kinds of software, that whole category of software has what's called plugins that are that usually come with them, or that you can add, you know, some free ones or some paid ones that have all those tools at your disposable. And they'll have different kinds of equalizers, different kinds of compressors, they'll have plugins that add reverb, plugins that add delay you know so and and it's just this long list of uh tools and if you kind of get used to finding certain ones that that help you find help the sound and get sort of good at using those uh that they can help
0: so i use premiere and there is i don't know if it's a plugin but it's just a it's just a, on the pop down menu it says podcast voice uh-huh. so i always just go through and I try different ones and, and sound and see which one sounds the best. And that's sometimes I end up on podcast voice.
1: Yeah, so. um, I find that those settings are like, this, those are like uh, factory presets yes. for, and generally what those will be is like what's called in, in a recording studio, like a channel strip. Oh. So a channel strip is really like, for instance, your voice will be on one channel my voice is on another channel and if let's say you add some music or something that's on a different channel yes uh, to this production Um, so each channel can have its own channel strip which might include an eq a compressor a de-esser if it's a human voice so that's going to actually make the s's less yes when you click and you put podcast voice on premiere Probably what that is, is that it's, that's a certain that's a certain sort of combination of settings, It's a
0: certain mix. Yeah, it's a mix of settings. A,
1: sure. a, right. Exactly. A different t- little little tools that are built into that that software that's going to kind of be doing all those things kind of in conjunction. And somebody who, you know, at Adobe or whatever, who uh, is an expert with that kind of put those together and said, you know, this will work for a lot of use cases. And those are great. I use presets all the time.
0: Yes, I well I have to turn things on and off because sometimes it you to make it sound better if you try different things.
1: Yeah, you know everybody's really familiar with the iPhone like magic wand thing in there with their photos where mm, you kind of right. like it but but you can sort of click it and then unclick and go did that really make it look better? I don't know. Yes. And then when you first get it you sort of use it all the time and then after a while you're like Hmm, I might use it, I might see what it does to the photo and then probably I only use it a third of the time or something. Right. Um. And, and I would say it's the same thing with presets for audio, which is that it's like a good place to start, but a lot of times the better you get at it, the more you're going to maybe start with a preset and then actually tweak it. And so, and then what you can do is you can actually save the tweaks as a new preset. And I usually would call it like you know, Nick lead vocals. So now it's it's a preset that I've made. Um, and then I can just call it up right for the, for the next project or whatever.
0: Yes. And when I learned video, the, the guy who taught me said in order to understand some of those settings, if you dial it all the way, one way and all the way, another way, you'll understand what it's doing. Like really he was like, push it all the way one way, you can see it, the extreme version right. of, of that setting. And sometimes that helps you learn what a setting is.
1: Yeah. No, that's so. that's a good, it's it's great because that's the other thing that's so great about digital It's kind of come back to where we, were, we started, which is, you know, digital is this amazing thing, especially in audio, because it used to be that you had a certain number of takes in a studio and you had a certain amount of tape that was available to you and a certain amount of time. And that was pretty much it. So, if you weren't happy with what you did, let's say you had three chances to play a part or something or or to get a recording sounding good, now digital is is just, it's endlessly sort of renewable and tweakable so that, you know, if I, if I don't really like the thing that I recorded, it doesn't cost me anything except for time. Uh, it doesn't cost me any physical tape or, um, you know, a bunch of like rewinding and finding a place and splicing a thing. I mean... It used to be very costly to do, to fix things. Um, And now we just fix things for free over and over again. Now, the danger with that, of course, is that you never (laughs) actually decide on anything. Yes. You're just always editing ever into forever and you never finish a thing. Um, So that's something when you use digital that you have to sort of become disciplined about, which is, you know, how much time are we really going to spend on this, you know, the sound of the snare drum, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Whatever. Right. I mean, at a certain point, you just have to be happy with your snare drum and move on. There's actually, I was I was reading a discussion where some engineers were talking about um, like what plugins they always use. And those, like I said, those are those little pieces of software that do different things to your sound um, or do different things to your, for your workflow. One guy said the plugin that he always uses is is one called Time Spent on Project. Mm. And it's actually just a plugin that you pull up like a compressor or an EQ, but it's actually just keeps track of how much time you're actually like clicking around in that project. Wow. And so he can just, and he has it as like a little screen on the corner, you know, a little readout on the, on the bottom corner. And when it gets to like whatever it is, you know, six hours or whatever he's budgeted, he wraps it up. Wow. So that's something to keep in mind because digital will really suck you in for... Hours and hours, as you know.
0: That is amazing advice. Thank you so much. Yeah. So, can you tell me about a current project you're working on now?
1: Something that I'm working on, it's a podcast project with my friend Sammy, who lives in the city, so we're working on it remotely. I'm, I'm out on the east end of Long Island, and it is a, a, a podcast about subcultures. It's tentatively entitled The Culture Sub, and we're going to do some oh, cool, cool, like, submarine art artwork. But basically, exploring a different subculture uh, in every episode, and basing it around interviews. So, interviewing people who are either part of that subculture currently, or or were f- are former members.
0: Wow, that sounds so amazing! I didn't even know what your podcast was about, to be honest with you.
1: <laughs> well, there's a couple of them, but that one in particular is 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 one I'm excited about, and um, you know, still kind of in the planning stages right now because. It's going to be more the um, a kind of scripted, uh, researched thing res- as opposed to just, you know, having conversations or interviews or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, so you kind of have to going to be writing scripts and, you know, scheduling interviews and then putting all that stuff together and found, found audio um, from the Internet as well. So it's going to be much more from a production point of view, much more involved. But I think it's going to be cool. Um, because it's definitely a space that I think is like endlessly fascinating and endlessly varied. I mean, if you just go to Wikipedia and you just type in subcultures, there's a Wikipedia page that just lists all the subcultures right. <laughs> and you just scroll I mean, through that. It just endless
0: you know, possibilities. Endless. I mean, when you look at groups and you sort of look at little, every group, their subcultures in every single thing.
1: Yeah. And, exists. and, and it's one of the cool things about the U.S. I think, particularly our, our, um, our society is just like a breeding ground of interesting subcultures. Um, so, I mean, when we started to actually think, well, who do we know that that's been in these things or, you know, wh- what are the ones that we've actually come across, you know, we start to make the list and it starts to get pretty long once you actually think of it. And I've lived in other places where, you know, it might not be as varied. And I think that's just a kind of an American thing.
0: Yes, for sure. Oh, good. Well, whenever it happens, I can add it to the show notes. So stay tuned, everyone, right?
1: Yeah. So. Coming, coming soon coming as soon <laughs> in, in internet time.
0: Yes. So <laughs> is there anything else you want to share that people should know when they're going to record their podcast?
1: Just when you're recording, just remember to tell the people you live with to uh, be quiet. <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> just don't be afraid to Try stuff and have it not be as good as you want it to be and just try again. I think that repetition in these things, even just the conversation part of it, I mean, forget that we've talked about technical stuff, but even just having conversations and, 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 and getting used to talking on mics, the repetition just comes and you start to get more comfortable and you start to listen back and go, you know, actually the stuff that we're talking about and the flow is actually getting better. So right. just putting in the reps, I think is a really big thing
0: showing up right
1: Yep, showing up
0: thank you so much and we look forward to uh hearing your podcast and we'll try to put something together that is um audio that i can do and then what maybe a little sample of when you get your hands on it and we'll just add it in the show notes
1: All right. Sounds cool. Okay. Okay, care. Thanks. All right. Bye-bye.
0: To get future episodes, click subscribe. And if you need help building your brand and launching your dream business, visit clickbranding.com to grab our free trainings.